0: Welcome to the Wittenberg Hour. Martin Luther said, there never yet have been, nor are there now, too many good books. Hello and welcome to the Wittenberg Hour, where we explore big questions and discuss that which endures by means of that which has endured, that scholars may endure. My name is Jocelyn Benson, and I serve as head teacher of Wittenberg Academy. Why should families read together? What are some good books to read as a family? Joining us today to discuss reading together as a family is Mrs. Kate Telke. Mrs. Telke serves as principal of St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois, and recently served as host for the Wittenberg Academy Book Club. Kate, to begin, I think we can both agree that reading is important. We both serve classical Lutheran schools, and reading is definitely an integral aspect of both of our schools. Let's begin by talking about reading in general. Why is reading important in the life of a scholar and perhaps further in the life of a Christian scholar? What a great question. First of all,
1: when I'm teaching the youngest students, I teach grades... Kindergarten through second grade. And when I'm teaching them about reading, I specifically talk to the kindergarten students and say, the purpose behind reading is to understand God and the world around you. Now, as those students grow and mature, we talk about how, as our vocation is to serve Him and our neighbor, literature, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, teaches us about our neighbor who may be different most definitely different from us on the outside, but we are able to see similarities which replaces the humanness in our neighbor, ultimately making that vocation of serving our neighbor and serving God easier and removes that stigma of weird from our vocabulary and strikes that word because through reading, we are able to understand our neighbor better. So in the life of a Christian scholar, understanding the world around you and understanding God and his will for your life is ultimately what we're trying to teach them.
0: I really appreciate how you brought to light the vocational aspect of our lives as as Christians and how something, you know, that seems as... Such a given like reading that even that fits so securely in our life as Christian in that we are to love and serve our neighbor and reading goes hand in hand with that and that reading can help us understand our neighbor. Now, one of the things that is kind of interesting and and always comes to mind, you know, right now when we're recording, we're in the season of Advent and, and we're headed toward Christmas is the truth of the fact that God came to us. He is the word made flesh, that Jesus is the word made flesh. Just the poignancy of Jesus being the word. And the importance of giving our scholars that gift of reading seems pretty relevant and important in the life of a Christian.
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up because the other thing we talk about in our classes and with my own children is that who is the word? We learn about in John 1-1 that Christ is the word. And when we are inwardly digesting the words that have formed in our language, it's also bringing us closer to the word, because as we analyze grammar and syntax, as we listen to the cadence of beautiful literature, beautiful books, beautifully written words that have been put together, that also is a reflection of Christ. And so ultimately, it is a beautiful way for us to acquaint ourselves better with the word because we are embracing and considering words as they work together. So again, not wanting to get too far into the weeds about that or too philosophical about it, but understanding that Christ is the word also helps us to embrace words that need to go together beautifully.
0: Absolutely and the reality that words matter. You brought up that aspect of beauty. You know, we can throw words together. It can just be kind of a mess. Words can breed chaos. I mean, they can they can cause chaos certainly. You know, as as teachers and as mothers, we we both have seen how words can can cause chaos. But that's part of the reason why we teach our children both our own children and the scholars God has given us to teach, that that words matter, that choosing words to make beautiful sentences so that we can communicate beautifully, it's not an optional thing. You know, it's not just a if-you-feel-like-it thing. To a certain extent, it becomes a confession using words and the words that you use is part of our confession as Christians, and we need to take it seriously.
1: Absolutely. Even Christ says the relevance of the word yes and no, right? That our yes should be yes and our no should be no, and even those should carry weight as we go through life, and that our word, when we speak it, should be true and should be trustworthy, just as he is. Another thing I found in as principal of a grammar school and essentially counseling some of those middle grade students who are struggling with how do I communicate with friends, how do I express myself well enough that I do not create hurt and tear down but build up relationships. And so by reading these beautiful things, Children are able to hear how best to express themselves to one another, and oftentimes notes are passed and those notes can be misconstrued because they just still do not have a command of the language yet to express to one another truly how they feel and what they think and again as the leader of a grammar school and preparing them for those rhetoric years and 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 for those years when they should be able to express themselves persuade others but most importantly to express their their faith well that literature is a great example to them because in their world they're not getting beautiful examples say on television or in movies necessarily but when you have beautiful words that have been written and have stood the test of time, students are able to hear what that means, understand what it means better, and when we can properly put words together, we can instead build up relationships instead of tear them down.
0: Something came to mind as you were sharing just then that language and reading and the use of words that using them well is not something that comes naturally to us, that we are taught either intentionally or unintentionally by that which we're exposed to. Yes,
1: absolutely. What we put into our bodies is what comes out, right? Right, And Christ also illustrated that very, very well and very eloquently in our gospels that we should be mindful of what we put into our minds and what we allow ourselves to be exposed to. And so when we choose good literature to read, we can block out some of those things that are happening in this world that are ugly and chaotic and disorderly. Even the vernacular that we speak is not always so beautiful. And when we're learning Latin and the beautiful forms that Latin has given us. Not that we're talking Latin here, but just the basis of language that being exposed to those things allows our minds to be given beautiful things that our sinful nature fights against.
0: Absolutely. We don't naturally gravitate toward the good, right? Because our, our old Adam doesn't want to be rebuked by the good. The old Adam wants to wallow around in the the mire and the muck because he feels at home there. But for the sake of the new man, surrounding ourselves with that which is good, true, and beautiful, that's what should feed us and form us and not the other. There are so many choices out there in terms of what is available to form young people in all of life, but certainly in literature. And I'm excited that today we're going to be able to dive into some of that and and perhaps give some direction to families looking for suggestions in terms of what should I give my children to help me in informing them. So speaking of families, as teachers, as leaders of our schools, we certainly encourage and equip our scholars to read, and we encourage and hopefully equip our teachers to read. So hopefully it goes without saying that we also encourage our families to read. Kate, why should families read And not just read, but read together.
1: Well, first of all, reading from little on, reading out loud to children, creates a springboard for discussion about our Christian vocation. I recall someone telling me that they read some little story. There's a series of books that I I wouldn't necessarily put on our reading list. But she talked about it as a mother that as she would read the story, she would stop after maybe the child had been disrespectful to his or her parents. That she would say, Oh, how, uh, what do you think about this? Should, should we talk like this to our parents and have that discussion and even discuss what, what commandments were broken in, in that process of whatever action that child had done? Also, it gives our families a peaceful place to join together in the midst of a chaotic, noisy world. So, for example, we're all familiar with the bedtime story, right? But why do we do that? It's a way to help our children wind down and typically it puts them to sleep. But why does it put them to sleep? Because when you're reading good literature, there's a rhythm and a pattern to the language. And our children are listening to that. And it allows their bodies and their brains to slow down, listen. And ultimately, it it oftentimes will put young children to, to sleep. Sometimes we have these children as well, these beautiful Unique children who also have other things going on in their brains because of this chaotic world, sometimes their brains are also still struggling with ordering themselves. And that's not every child, but there are some children with sensory processing. And when you start to read and you begin to read in that rhythmic pattern, it allows you and your child to have that peaceful moment. And I'm thinking also boys, boys are just full of energy and they need that opportunity, right? Yes. (laughs) Well, I didn't raise boys. I, you know, boys in my classroom. And I remember I had one class, a kindergarten class of just all boys, full of energy. They were my little rascals. But I knew as soon as I pulled a book out, The classroom was peaceful, quiet, and they were completely enraptured with what I was reading. I would go so far as to say as a classroom is an example or an extension of the family. So when I also bring up my classroom, there's also a sense of family there. It's an extension of that because our parents have given me that authority while they're away from them. So moving on from giving your family a peaceful place to join together away from chaotic noise because it's teaching our children a cadence and rhythm. It's teaching them good grammar and beautiful syntax. It's our job as parents to teach these good, true and beautiful things, ultimately. And we hope they get them in their school if we are unable to keep them home and homeschool them. But how simple it makes our job when other people have given us the gift of words, Put together into a beautiful book, beautiful literature, beautiful poetry, beautiful prose, and we can use that. And again, that written word is an expression out of the word, Christ, as we talked about before, who we desire our children to have that deepest understanding in life. So simply, when it comes to our job as a family and working together, I think reading literature out loud is one of the central ways that we can do that. And simply, we just cannot move away from this opportunity for families to meet together and allow us this opportunity to teach our children. So that's why we should read together, especially.
0: You brought up that opportunity for discussion, that reading together provides a a springboard for discussion. And you think about the catechetical life, that we're certainly intentional in the catechesis of our children, in teaching them the words of the catechism and giving them that gift of memorizing, that the catechetical life, even though there are times of a very intentional catechesis, speaking back and forth, literally that echo part of catechesis, that we also know the catechetical life from Deuteronomy 6, that it's it's nonstop. You know, it's not just during catechesis time. It's also when you rise up and when you lie down and when you walk along the way and when you sit at your home, this idea that conversations should spring from reading together as a family that support and and back up and reinforce that which we are teaching in our formal catechesis, that's a fantastic thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and don't dismiss that reading the Bible together, the actual word of of God, reading that together, allowing even our youngest, newest readers to attempt at reading the word out loud as a family Is not edifying and salutary and good for all of us. Many, many generations have learned how to read just by reading the Bible. And reading it together as a family, first of all, you're going to get the most beautiful, most beautifully written because it was inspired ultimately by God. And as we read together, uh, we can help our children to. Grasp some of those big, hearty words, especially as you're going through genealogies and, and so forth, but allowing them to practice what they've been learning in their lessons. When they read, when you are reading the word out loud with your children, because it should be heard, right? The word is to be heard. Right. As a family, when you are doing that together, that's edifying for us parents as well. And when young children are learning how to read and we have to sit and be patient and have them take the time to read every word and digest every syllable of that word, every phonogram of that word. Right. We are we truly are having to also digest that word at that pace. And can there be anything wrong with that? I right. don't think
0: so. Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And what a good reminder for us. Sometimes it's easy to forget. That especially if the children in our homes are past the learning to read stage, that we we forget that every single word and every single syllable uh, that all of that matters. And I think that when we think back to when our children were learning to read or our grandchildren were learning to read, that that pace, you know, receiving the word as a child, you really have to focus intently on everything. And that's a good thing. That's that's absolutely a good thing. And you also bring up the piety of not just reading well, but listening well you know this whole episode is about reading together as a family and so we're we're mainly focused on the reading the choosing of things and and why it's a good thing but i think it's equally important that we bring to light how important listening is i mean you think about everything that's going on in our world today and Perhaps one of the things that has broken down the most is that people don't know how to listen. Absolutely. And in fact,
1: the exercise of sitting in church, and unfortunately, I I only came to this understanding in, in my adult years, but... The sheer exercise of sitting and listening to a sermon that is being spoken to us and sitting and listening to the word when we're in worship, when we are doing that time with our children throughout the week, we're training them to sit and listen to God's word and the exposition of that word. And when we practice that all week long, it allows them to truly listen to what God is telling them every week in
0: church. Absolutely. And if there's anything that we want to equip our children to do, it is listen to God's word. Without a doubt. (laughs) Without
1: a doubt. Absolutely. And we're also giving them the support throughout the week, especially when we're reading the Bible with them, and they are, they're reading it. We're reading it. They're hearing it. We're hearing it. We're giving them all of the supports they need for Sunday and, or Saturday. <laughs> right. When we are to sit and listen, that they are listening and they are truly embracing and understanding that word that is being given to them, that gift every single week. We're also giving them that grammar every day when we read with them. We're giving them the grammar of being able to embrace what needs to be done
0: on on a Sunday. And it just occurred to me thinking about the chaos of the world and the fact that going to the divine service, hearing the word, that that should be a haven for us, right? And and you brought that up right at the beginning that reading together as a family that this should be a peaceful place a, a time and a place where there's not chaos <laughs> you know we all come together and we we listen and we read and it's peaceful and we we see that and experience that hopefully in the divine service as well and so giving, as you rightly pointed out, giving children that gift of being equipped to sit and listen is a gift that we're giving them that will impact the entirety of their lives here on earth.
1: Without a doubt, God has created us in these families for a
0: purpose. And this is one of them, isn't it? Absolutely. 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 So, is there an age when families should stop reading together?
1: Well, I certainly hope that that would, of course, be no. And <laughs> <laughs> the no time to stop reading together. I, you know, I now have teenagers in the house and only teenagers, but we read the the Bible together every morning. Right now, during Advent, uh, we have chosen to read a chapter of Luke every morning as it has 24 chapters, and it'll get us right to Christmas Day, and read one of the Proverbs every day, and that'll get us to the new year with 31. So utilizing things like that, but them reading, we read it sentence by sentence in the Proverbs and section by section in in Luke, and then reading the, the family devotion together. But beyond this, my children are still begging for certain books to be read over Christmas that they are just used to us always reading out loud and telling me there's not even an ask. It's just make sure you grab that book for for our drive to grandma and grandpa's. Unfortunately, in the COVID world, we're just going to have to do that sitting with me in a rocking chair and, and, and then listening, which is Beautiful. But even beyond this, this brought up a wonderful memory for me that my mother and my father both read out loud to us when we were children. But when I was nursing the triplets, when they were babies, my mother came and stayed with us for nine months. And every night she would get up with me so I could nurse those children. And she read out loud to me and we read through a couple of books together and so again, that continues, even though I don't live in her house anymore, but she came and that is how we wiled away the time and the, the wee wee hours of the morning and the late, late hours of the night when I had to stay awake in order to continue the, the sustenance of my children. But what a beautiful thing for, for those children that they those babies were hearing words being spoken out loud, even when they were tiny. So, do I think that ever ends? Well, I hope not. And if I were ever to get that opportunity, say when my my parents are older, that I would sit by their bedside and and read the Bible out loud to them, and I would read books out loud to them. So, I, I think it's part of the rhythm of our of our Christian life. It's part of the rhythm of of our families and growing together and loving one another. It's 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 a way to express our love to one another. So. And on top of it, as I continue those traditions on with my children, you know, I think about those books that my parents read out loud to me, and as I'm reading them out loud to my children, or I'm reading them by, my, by myself, I'm hearing their voice. I'm yeah. hearing the narration in their voice. And that's also a gift we're giving to our children that beyond the time when we are we are living and here on earth, but um but with our savior Our children will be able to carry that with them, which is part of the uniqueness of who we are, is the voice that God gave us, and using that to speak beautiful words, that certainly stays in in our minds, and, you know, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, every time I read the best Christmas pageant ever, all I read is my father's (laughs) voice. You know, reading it out loud as he sat by the fireplace and read a chapter every night, I can only hear his voice. What a wonderful memory
0: and that just solidifies you know we always start the wittenberg hour with this this idea that that we give scholars that which endures by means of that which has endured you know this this idea of enduring things those are the things that we can pass from generation to generation to generation and they still mean something and and they and they carry with them not just the the endurance of the thing itself but all of the the memories that go with the thing, you know, illuminated manuscripts, you know, back in the day you would have the text and then you would, they would illustrate around it. And then they would illustrate around that and it would grow by generations to some extent. That's what we're doing when we give, you know, at the core, there's, there's this enduring text or whatever. uh, Certainly, god's word right certainly the bible that goes without saying but then these other books these other texts that that from generation to generation endure and and hold fast because not only is the text good and enduring but the experience that travels with that enduring text also endures so it's not these things don't happen in a vacuum by any means absolutely
1: <laughs> they do not happen in a vacuum you're absolutely right you hit the nail on the head there and i'm also reminded that you know there are biographies that that we read out loud and and those things too are they're teaching us about a a person who how they had lived their lives or are living their lives to serve God and and others. And uh, when we have that opportunity to um, look at real people and be inspired to also serve God in that same way, it's extending that for them. And just like you say, you know, generation to generation, while we're looking at real people, even my my father-in-law has been writing his memoirs from when he was a little boy during World War II in Germany. And he is now in his 80s and is sharing that, that word with them so that that will endure um, for generations to come, that their children will be able to read about their great-grandfather and, and continue during such an unusual time, but also encourage our children to do the same for theirs, to continue that. That generational understanding of, of, of what we've we've been through, and not to negate what we're going through right now, because this is also something unique um, that's happening in the world. And if our children know how to express themselves well, they can start writing that down so that um, people, when we're beyond this, hopefully far beyond what we're we're dealing with right now, will be able to share that and give some understanding of of what we're experiencing right now. And we need good writers, right? We need well, Absolutely. Good writers right now. Right.
0: Right. I mean, how how often during this this time, you know, in which we're living, have we gone back, you know, and found comfort in the things that CS Lewis wrote about war or pestilence and Martin Luther wrote about war and pestilence? And how how often we have have found comfort in those words in our day because you know, you kind of need someone who's outside of the situation to to give some some clarity and some sanity (laughs) to what to what we're experiencing And, and maybe something that that someone writes now as we equip our children to write well and express themselves well and use good grammar and expression and usage and all of those sorts of things that perhaps their words you know down the road if our Lord does not come first, which you know we pray every day, <laughs> you know come Lord Jesus quickly yeah. uh, but but within that, maybe something written about our day will bring, Comfort and a, a bit of of sanity to those experiencing unforeseen things generations from now.
1: Yeah, and that, I would say that's also part of the comfort that God provides in being the same yesterday, today, and forever, as as we look back at. Uh, Martin Luther, I'm glad you brought this up because how often times i've I've looked back at uh, during this time to look back at what Martin Luther wrote about his time um while they dealt with their own pestilence and even the time at the beginning of the last century when they also dealt with pestilence and these things are not new, and we're not alone and the 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 things that we read remind us that. These things, first of all, I mean, the Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun. Right. But so easy for us in our sinful nature to just um, look inwardly and say, oh, you know, this is the worst it's ever been. And no one else has gone through what I've gone through, or what I'm going through right now, while we receive our ultimate comfort from the word of God we also receive comfort from our neighbor and sometimes that neighbor is a 100 years old 500 years old and we're receiving comfort through our neighbor and um in our children's words our words um to be written down and read later can serve our neighbor who we're not living among anymore and so that's really something something to think about and consider and ponder and and praise God for that that he would encourage people to uh, write beautiful things down for us to read for generations.
0: We have obviously lauded the fact that reading together as a family is a good thing and we should do this. What recommendations do you have for families in terms of making reading in the home, not only a habit, but an enjoyable experience. Huh. Yeah, that enjoyable experience is something, isn't it? Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> you know, we, we we are still sinners and we are sinners bumping up against one another. And so first of all, I would encourage families, first of all, don't be discouraged when it's not always this peaceful moment and you have siblings, and those things do get in the way. And you know we have uh, things that happen outside, and we're, we're trying to put that aside while we read out loud together. So, you know, I encourage families. Uh, don't be discouraged when it doesn't go as peacefully as you think it should. But uh, to create some good habits, I would say reserve some time and 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 be be deliberate about it. You know, I mentioned that we got in the habit of having our devotion in the mornings um, before school and. You know, even when we had foreign exchange students or visitors, uh, we would try very hard to maintain that regardless of what was going on in the world. Because most importantly, we needed to order our day and start our day in the word and um, allow um, God to order that day. And so um, starting the day in the word is a peaceful way to start. Not all families have morning people. In their in their families or have that opportunity because fathers have to run off to work or moms who have to run off to work and um, children go to daycares and things happen right and but finding a time first of all, I would say the first thing is find a time that you will read the word together and don't allow that to go by the wayside. That's the only time you can find together. Find time to read. The Bible together and find the same time over and over again, so that it stays. So you you maintain a habit, you start a habit, and you maintain it, and for years to come. And and that is one thing I don't think anyone would ever regret or ever look back and say, "Boy, I wish I I, I hadn't wasted all my time reading the Bible with my children. right." <laughs> right. Another thing when it comes to doing it for enjoyment. While I was raising our, our girls when they were small, uh, I did hear a good piece of advice when it came to manners, and I think it applies the same. I, I think we can apply the same to reading out loud. So choose a meal where you're not going to be on your children of, about manners. You're going to teach them at breakfast and lunch about manners, but when it's time for dinner, this is a time where you're not going to be reprimanding your children for poor manners, because you have the opportunity to teach, that's their time to practice, and you want to leave it peaceful instead of um, creating this this angst between you. And I think that choosing a way when you're reading out loud, especially when you're reading out loud together, choose a, a time where you are going to focus on proper reading, proper syntax, um, proper grammar, fluency, so that you can focus on the teaching at one One time. So let's say you're a homeschooling mom or dad and you might choose the day, the daytime as as the teaching time where you're going to focus on them learning to read well. And so you're going to be giving them all of the all the tools during that time and it can be cumbersome. And that's why, you know, it, it can be less enjoyable because teaching is work. It takes work and it takes effort and it's not always the work we do isn't always just jolly and happy because it's it it should be hard and it's worthwhile enough. But maybe in the evening, this is the time when you're reading for enjoyment together so that children are not Feeling that they're going to be criticized for how they pronounce a certain word, having them go back over a word that wasn't said correctly. So, you know, I would say reserving some time when you're going to read aloud without it being a teachable moment all the time. And also, I would also, when it comes to reading the Bible, allowing little ones to maybe read a sentence and then listening to the older ones, especially because. The word of God is the best word written out there, right? It was inspired by God. And so giving them that foundation, that's why I like to do it in the morning. I prefer the morning for Bible readings. And then hearing the cadence when we read it, that's when it's fluent and it being read more melodically. And maybe some parents don't have that confidence, right? They don't have the the same confidence at fluency. I mean, I've I've been a teacher for years, so I read out loud all the time. I have that practice. But the more you do that, you will also get that practice. And it will sound better to your ears as well as your children. So don't shy away from reading out loud, even if you didn't have the opportunity when you were younger. So I would um, encourage that for creating that habit. Also, you could choose books. You might have two or three books that are just family favorites that you only read at certain times of the year so that there's some expectation and excitement over hey, it's time for us like I said reading the best Christmas pageant ever. We have a book that our family, it's a short little book that our family reads at Christmas time that um you know, I I don't even know if you could find it anymore. It's called Fig Pudding. And my children beg for me to read this every year. And I cry every year I read it to them and they know it's coming. It connected to our family and spoke to some of our family's experiences that our children, I, I get the impression that they they find important and cathartic for us to relive and to go through so that we can push through the holidays when it's tough for us. We've all had things in our lives that um, that are part of our own story and throughout our path that there are things that having another human relate to those things when it's really hard and really painful. Sometimes literature can allow your family to embrace that and move forward and, and recognize it too, because in this case, in the midst of death, there's life in the midst of life, there's death. And, um, And we all have to live with that, live in the midst of that. And sometimes, you know, a a book can embrace that for you. So that's just one one suggestion where you might choose a certain book that you only read at a certain time of the year that would be special to your family. So that would help you get into that, um, that habit of it always being that way. When you read at night, uh, you might choose a certain spot where you read. And so they all know we all we all go to the rocking chair or we go sit by the fire and this is what, where we're going to read. I would also suggest um, creating habit of reading aloud on trips. Uh, when you're riding in the car for long hours, we tend to be a family that loves to travel together. I mean, when I say love, hours and hours in, in the car is not always enjoyable, but when you're reading a good book, you know, that that helps the time be much more valuably spent as opposed to popping in a DVD, which I'm dating myself now.
0: <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> I can't believe I have to say that. But, but anyway, finding, finding um, times where uh, when it may not be such an enjoyable time to use that time as well as an opportunity to incorporate reading out loud with your family As a teacher, I'm gonna always be telling my families, read out loud every single night. Every night. This is what's going to help them be successful in school. Plain and simply, when they are read to at night before they go to bed. There is nothing more supportive to a teacher in teaching children is that they're read to at night. I mean, we've talked about all the benefits already, but when I don't have the opportunity to share with parents exactly why. That's just simply what I say. Just read. Every every minute you read with them is beneficial.
0: So speaking of those, those minutes that we read as a family, we are headed toward Christmas break at Wittenberg Academy. It starts tomorrow. And sometimes breaks allow families some extra time And families might consider reading during those extra moments, but if not over break, you know, maybe things are, are more busy over break and it's hard to establish habits, but perhaps they can think about adding it in as a new year habit. So here's the big question. What books do you, Mrs. Kate Telke (laughs) recommend (laughs) for families to read together and why? Okay. I, this list
1: is certainly not exhaustive and we're going to get off here and I'm going to come up with five more in my head. (laughs) Certainly more, more, more books out there. And they are just the, the endless titles. I mean, another reason why you can never stop reading is because there's just too many, too many to read and too many want to read over and over again. First of all, for my family, our very favorite read aloud, which I've probably read five or six times out loud to my children, is Little Women. Certainly, it, it, it relates to my family because I only am raising little women, and it may not be the first go-to for families that have boys, but it still is a fantastic read for boys and girls. So don't shy away from the fact that it's called Little Women if you have boys in your family. I highly recommend this book. It is so much fun to read out loud because it's beautifully written. Louisa May Alcott is, is a wonderful writer. I would not necessarily recommend, on we would not as a family recommend Little Men as much as Little Women though, but she also wrote a book called Old Fashioned Girl. That was lovely to read out loud. When you have your littlest children, the youngest ones when they're, they're just emergent readers. Books like Boxcar Children, they're short, and it gets them excited about reading and reading chapter books. So reading a couple of those, there's so many of them, and they become pretty formulaic. So we don't end up going through all of them. But the first couple of them out loud is nice. Another wonderful book recommended to me by another good friend who had older children five little peppers. If you can find that book, what a lovely little read aloud for your young children. I would also recommend the EB white books. I know Charlotte's web has gotten a great deal of press, but my absolute favorite of her books is the trumpet of the Swan. I think that is so beautifully written for young children and it's just a lovely story. It teaches them about nature. So, uh, you know, there's, there's a bonus there too. It teaches us about relationship. It teaches us about men and women. It is, it's just beautifully written. So that's a, that's one that as when they were young, and I love to read that out loud to my K to two students, of course, the little house series, as a young mom, reading about Mrs. Ingalls and her process of what she does every day, taught me so many things. Not that I put them into practice very well in this modern world, but it was so pleasant to read each one of those little vignettes as I saw them. You know, each chapter is just a just a a new experience that, you know our children don't have in this modern world necessarily. Just beautifully written, lovely. The Narnia series, of course, since we just talked about Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. C.S. Lewis does a beautiful job creating a Christian allegory for our children, and what a great springboard for conversation about Christ and what he does for us. Another couple books that we love, and I loved reading out loud, that are still in that kind of, I, I would say you could read up till even fifth grade, But my children probably still enjoy me reading because they're so fun. Came from the Sunlight curriculum. I just like their lists. I I did not follow their curriculum when I was homeschooling, but their lists of read-alouds are fantastic. And they have some biographies in there that are beautifully written. One's about Gladys Aylward, and there was one about the Wright brothers, and those were fun. Harriet Tubman, Cory Ten Boom. Very interesting and allows you as a family to explore other locations of the world, but also see people who truly serve their neighbor and did it to the glory of God. I really liked reading All of a Kind Family, and I think the first name of the author was Sydney. It's about a Jewish family. And so that was very helpful for us too, because we learned about some Jewish traditions that we wouldn't normally know about. We don't live in a Jewish community, but it's very sweet and the children are loving to one another. Also, we loved the old cheaper by the dozen that was fun to read out loud. For the same reason, Interesting Family. It is about a real family. Fun because it's written by the mom and she talks about just the uniqueness of her of her 12 Girls. There were a couple called Swift Rivers and the Turkey Walk, and that gave some insights into the settling of our country, especially in the Midwest. And so I really like that since you know I'm here in the Midwest and that helped our, our children. We loved 21 Balloons. What a fun little fantasy story. And these are the modern ones. Before I, I go into the classics, I would also say we enjoy Wrinkland time and we really. Truly enjoyed *The Giver* and 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 the conversations we could have with *The Giver* and that whole series. Our family just loved that. For modern stories, the classics, please, please, I just encourage families do not keep yourselves from the classics. Those stories that you were required to read in high school just aren't good enough, and you didn't have the, the experience to be able to necessarily judge those. Maybe, maybe you had a, a better experience than I had in high school with reading classics, but for our family reading David Copperfield, Jane Eyre, reading The Christmas Carol, reading The Gift of the Magi, these sorts of stories at Christmas time is just a wonderful little memory for us. Don't shy away from those or any of the Jane Austen books and the Bronte books. They share with us some beautiful literature that's been written, but also they weave a tale that's that's a tale of humanity. It seems like, boy, I, I hope that, that we are raising up these children to create some beautiful, beautiful literature in the future because, wow, that generation seemed to really have a handle on it. I'm very hopeful that this generation of writers will start to give us some true and good and beautiful things that that we have from from the classics. Do not keep yourselves from fairy tales. Read them all your life. And Aesop's fables too. Those are short but they're good ways to help children just relate to some real truths and morals. And if you're looking for a good Bible story book because I think it's so essential to our children that, yes, we're reading the Bible out loud, but some of it can be quite over their heads at this point when they're small. Hearing the good words, it does them so much good, but we need to instill those Bible stories in them from little on. And I really think BPH did a great job with their the story Bible. And I'll tell you why. It has beautiful illustrations, which children love, but I don't think reading books with pictures in them is what we should only give them. You know, they need to be able to create those pictures in their minds and and increase their imagination. But when it comes to the story bubble, it has these beautiful illustrations, which are very nice. But also it starts with vocabulary, which I think is very, very helpful. It's giving the children an opportunity to hear good words, speak good words, you can talk about the definition of those words before you even get into the bible story so i thought i think that has been very well done that cph did and then at the end of the story there are some very good questions to help parents just springboard into some good conversation about what they just read but ultimately as you finish out that that story whatever story it is in the story bible you are able to look and see no matter where it is, Old Testament, New Testament, where is Christ in the story? And what is it that I need to be reminded of? God's forgiveness today, God's grace. I mean, it's just over and over again, right? All throughout every single Bible story. But giving them that foundation of Bible stories from little on so that they understand that's part of the grammar of our faith, right? Along with catechesis, learning those Bible stories is so integral to solidifying in their Christian life. And then it ends with a beautiful prayer, which often will thank God for his forgiveness, thank God for his grace, ask God to forgive them when they when they do wrong, recognizing that they do wrong, but also recognizing that they ultimately have the forgiveness um, that he has conquered sin, death, and the devil.
0: This is fantastic. And will provide some links to these books in the episode notes and we'll definitely have to get together again to talk about some of these books and explore them further because this is just a a fantastic list and I'm excited because there are some some books on this list especially on the modern side that I was not familiar with and so I'm looking forward to looking into those Mrs. Kate Telke serves as principal of St. Paul Lutheran School in Hamill, Illinois. Kate, thank you so much for joining us today. It was truly a privilege and an honor to
1: be with you today. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us today for the Wittenberg Hour. Be sure to subscribe to the Wittenberg Hour so as to not miss an episode. If you would like to learn more about Wittenberg Academy, please visit our website at wittenbergacademy.org. You can like and follow Wittenberg Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Join us again next time on The Wittenberg Hour.